but it also kind of transformed economic policy. He frequently kind of denounced the classic sort of Reaganomics, this idea that, oh, we should all cheer for the richest people in our society to get richer because a rising tide lifts all boats. And everybody watches Raytheon and Boeing and BlackRock and Amazon get richer and richer and richer, and their boats aren't rising. And it really led a lot of people who have been capitalists their whole lives to at least start questioning, not capitalism as a theory, but capitalism, how it, how it manifests in American society. What is your view about sort of where the populist right is, the Trump movement is, when it comes to these core questions of economic theory and economic populism? I am almost always kind to Tucker Carlson. This is a rare moment where I'm going to be very, very critical. He was on with Glenn Greedwald over the past week, and they were talking economics. And I was none too pleased with his assessment. Now, I'm not a hater. As you know, I praise Tucker constantly. Big fan of his, actually. Uh, but when it comes to economics, the man does not know what he's talking about. Let's get back to it. I'll show you, I'll show you what I'm talking about. I think a lot of people have awakened to the now demonstrable fact that libertarian economics was a scam perpetrated by the beneficiaries of the economic system that they were defending. So they created this whole intellectual framework to justify the private equity culture that's hollowed out the country. That's my personal view, and I've seen it up close my whole life, so I think it's a fair assessment. Uh Pause it, as Dave Smith always says. <laughs> uh, what libertarian economic order have we had? Can someone, anybody... Anybody explain to me how what we're living under is a libertarian economic order, given that, first and foremost, the thing that libertarians are known for, the reason Ron Paul's name will ring throughout history is because he had college kids shouting, end the Fed. You do not have a libertarian economic order as long as there is a central bank, period. You cannot have a central bank and have a libertarian economic order. They are anathema. They clash. They're like oil and water. So, yeah, not, not exactly correct there, Tucker. Um, I think a smarter way to assess an economic system is by its results. So you can assign whatever name you want to the economic system of the United States. You could call it market capitalism. You could call it, I mean, you could call it a whole host of different things. But I, I don't think any of that's useful. Those are boring conversations. I think you need to ask, does this economic system produce a lot of dollar stores? And if it does, it's not a system that you want because it degrades people and it makes their lives worse and it increases exponentially the amount of ugliness in your society. And anything that increases ugliness is evil. And it's just kind of- That's such a fascinating statement. Anything that, I mean, first off, I think that beauty is, is subjective. I think there are certain things that strike humanity as being beautiful across the board, but those are few and far between. Just look at your musical taste, for instance. Like you could be like, I love, this is my favorite musician. This is my favorite band. And then you can have some of your best friends who you think the world of, and they will come to you and say, I hate it. I hate everything about it. It's like, well, I think it's beautiful. Well, it's subjective. It's nothing wrong with that. But I just think his perspective, I got to get this. Let's just, I got to get him mid blink <laughs> off the screen. It's too, too concerning to look at the reason. All right. So this is the, the, my main critique of, of his framing on this. And I guess maybe I'm just triggered because he said libertarian economic order, but the reason that you're having a, an increase in these very cheap 
retail stores is not so much that we have a libertarian economic order, but rather because we have a centrally planned economy, which is creating inflation through the Federal Reserve and through the, the Treasury, uh, but also just kind of broadly diminishing our existence, our, our income levels, our standard of living. These are a product of a crony capitalist fascistic model that also has a central bank, which is rapidly deteriorating the purchase powering of purchasing power of the dollar. And I think anybody that has any grasp of economics can make that argument very succinctly. And I, and I don't understand why Tucker being a guy who I find to be quite intelligent would be this off base. But then I reflect on the things that I, I hated the most about him when he was on Fox news was when he would talk about the, the sanction regime and, and the tariff regime from Donald Trump as those being a, just not even a net positive, but just a great decision by Trump. And I, for those that are more conservative leaning, you may be surprised why I would say that, but for the libertarian audience, you are already well accustomed to this position that sanctions ultimately are an act of war, uh, usually a soft one, uh, but it can lead to tremendous suffering amongst the domestic population, which ultimately has very little say over who rules over them, particularly in totalitarian countries like North Korea, China, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that that concerns me. First, first off, that part concerns me that he was okay with sanctions, which I think he's probably reflected on as of late. But he did not reflect on the tariff regime under Trump, which is ultimately just a tax on consumers because that's where that's ultimately who ends up paying it, right? If you if you put tariffs on imports, the the seller of those goods is ultimately not going to be the one who bears those costs if they're still to be purchased, if they don't get priced out of the market entirely. But if they are purchased, well then those tariffs are obviously going to be added to the price tag of every single good and that is therefore a tax, a tariff on a foreign country is in fact a tax on your people, which by the way, increases the cost of goods, which then makes you perhaps be more likely to go shop at that dollar store that you find to be so destructive to civilization. Start there. So if it's such a good system, why do we have all these dollar stores? Dollar store is the, the clear, I mean, it's not the only ugly thing being created in the United States, but it's the one of the most common and it's certainly the most obvious. So if you let me answer that, the, the reason that we have more and more dollar stores is because more and more people are barely hanging on largely because of Donald Trump, who permitted for the economy to be destroyed in the last year of, of his presidency, but also obviously the central bankers, Congress who passed these multi-trillion dollar bills, things that we never would have imagined possible in all of American history. And they happen repeatedly over the past, you know, four years. So this is the reason that people are, they're, they're struggling. They're suffering. The, the reason that they're suffering, though, is not because of a libertarian economic order, but rather because of a centrally planned economy with a central bank that also is diminishing the purchasing power of the dollar. You have a dollar store, you're degraded. And any town that has a dollar store does not get better. It gets worse. And the people who live there lead lives that are worse. So and, and the, the counter argument to the extent there is one, oh, they buy cheaper stuff. Great. But they become more unhappy 
and the dollar store itself is a is a sort of symbol. What's what's a physical thing? It's a real thing. It's not just a metaphor, but it's also a metaphor for your total lack of control over where you live and over the imposition of aggressively in your face ugly structures that send one message to you which is you mean nothing you are a consumer not a human being or a citizen and so again i don't know what we call our current system but its effects are grotesque they're grotesque it's it's wrecked i've been here 54 years and i watch carefully that's my only gift as i watch see this is this is the issue is that he then says he doesn't know what you call it. Well, then don't call it a libertarian economic order because it's not one. It's not even close to one. It's almost 180 degrees away from what a libertarian would prescribe to remedy some of these very legitimate issues that you're pointing out. But the, 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 the problem is that he, he called the 99 cent stores or the dollar stores a, a symbol. What they are is a symptom. He's very close but he gave it the wrong label. It is a symptom of the disease. The disease is inflation. The disease is fascism. It is cronyism. It is inflation. It is central banking. These are the dollar stores and Walmart's success and all of these other companies that have blossomed during this period, including Amazon, are a product, or a, rather a symptom of the disease. The disease is not libertarian capitalism. The, the disease is actually moving away from capitalism into a more totalitarian economic framework. And this has become a much uglier place, a much more crowded place, a much more hostile place, a place that cares much less about people. So whatever system that produces that outcome is a bad system. And you can call me whatever you want. Oh, you're a socialist. I don't care what you call me, actually. I'm beyond caring about name calling. It's bad, and I oppose it. Well, on that, he and I agree. Uh, a system that, that does this to the population is not a good system. But it's very important, if you're going to try and analyze this and ultimately remedy it, that you get the, the description correct that you get the the prognosis, the diagnosis, if you will, correct. And if you get it wrong, then you are going to prescribe the wrong medicine, just as Anthony Fauci and all these other fucking scumbags prescribed respirators and a whole litany of drugs that didn't do fucking anything for people that were dying of COVID. In fact, they were killing people with COVID uh, by giving them a bunch of medicine and, and uh, you know, machines that ultimately blew out their lungs. Well, if you don't if you don't get the right diagnosis, then you are doomed. And the same thing applies with economics. Contrary to, to people that say, oh, it's not, a, it's not a hard science. I'll grant you, it's not a hard, hard science. But there are certain aspects of economics that are pretty fucking hard. And I'll give you one of them. That is, if you add trillions of dollars to the money supply, you're going to fuck your system up bad. Real, real bad. And if you do that, and then you then you try and contend in the aftermath of that decision that we are dealing with the downfall of capitalism, or even more absurd to describe it as the downfall of libertarian capitalism, then you're just fucking wrong. You can't be more wrong. You're totally off base. And I love you, Tucker. I really do. But man, brother, super, super off base in this. And I think because of this misunderstanding, you will ultimately prescribe things like tariffs that will only exacerbate the issue. 
Yeah, believe me, I know. I got in a lot of trouble once for suggesting that you and Steve Bannon are a lot more socialist in a certain limited sense than a lot of people who claim that, that title. And of course, the nuance of that point got completely lost. But I do think the fact yeah. that you are focused so much on kind of the welfare of ordinary people and, you know, you go to anywhere in the world, you go to, obviously, you go to Western Europe and you see these structures that people spent 200 years building just for the sheer beauty of it. Yes. And you go into nature yes. and you see beauty like it, it never exists. And you go to developing countries and you see a kind of dedication to buildings even that are designed to be inspiring and to kind of stimulate things in the human soul. And then you go to the places in the United States where our infrastructure is falling apart, where our new structures are designed to be as ugly as possible. And it's a very difficult thing to do to communicate these sort of spiritual components of our politics, but ultimately politics does have no purpose other than to elevate the happiness of our citizenry. And by every metric, the happiness of our citizenry is declining. Suicide, addiction, use of antidepressants, all of that. Man, that was a frustrating interview. (laughs) It really was. I look, I agree with a lot of a lot of their assessment. Uh, It's certainly true that that our our standard of living is declining. It is. Uh, we simultaneously were innovating in a way that makes our standard of living feel as if it's improving. But if you were, if you were actually able to track it over time in a you know direct linear fashion, I think you could see that that while it still may be okay, it's still better than most places on Earth. It is ultimately deteriorating from from the trajectory that we should have been on. And we would have been on if not for the government. What what disturbs me about the Glenn Greenwalds of the world and now Tucker Carlson's of the world is when they talk about socialism and how they say, you know, there's something wrong here. Or our civilization is imploding upon itself or it's d- deteriorating in some fashion. And, and if you think that socialism, if you think that the government can remedy what we're talking about right now, then you have to you have to contend with the fact that the US federal government takes in around five trillion dollars a year. They spend around seven or eight trillion dollars a year. We're talking enormous sums of money. Enormous. An, the, the largest in any government in world history ever. That's how much money they're bringing in from us, the taxpayer. What the fuck are they doing with that money? If your argument is that the government can fix it, we just have to have socialist policies. Well, then how can you look at their tax receipts, look at the amount of money they bring in and the money that they spend and borrow and print and everything else and still see our lives diminishing in some fa- fashion and, and then conclude we need more socialism, we, we need less capitalism. Because socialism is ultimately taxes going to the government and then, I mean... It, it, don't get down my throat on this one. Yes, I know. Socialism is uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 what is it? I'm trying to think of the actual term that they use. Anyway, it's the average person owning the means of production. It's, uh, it's no, no capitalism, no corporations, all that. Yeah, I know. But that's not how it, how it actually gets uh, doled out, does it? It actually gets, gets dealt with by the state seizing private property and then distributing it 
I mean, uh, somewhere in that arc between socialism, communism, that's, that's what they're prescribing to the condition that we're currently languishing under. And my contention is that the condition we currently languish under is one far closer to socialism than it is to free market capitalism. And it's not really close, actually. It's not. If you, if you exist under the, the largest government in human history with the largest military in human history, and they're taking in $5 trillion plus annually, which is more money than any government has ever taken in in human history, and then you go, man, we have too much of a free market. Really? Do we? Is it a free market? Can you say that? As, as you advocate on behalf of tariffs, which automatically mean that it's not a free market. It's not. You also have a central bank, which gets to control not just the money supply, which is everything, but then on top of that, the interest rate, the price that you pay for capital. So you have central bank. You're going to, you're going to then argue free market. Okay. Can I, can I use different currencies as legal tender? No, I can't free market capitalism though. Right? Wrong. Dead fucking wrong. It's not capitalism. Oh, what about the regula regulatory bodies that that just lord over every single industry in this country? Free market? Mm. I mean, it could be if it's Better Business Bureau or something like that, but it's not. It's actually licensure that comes from the state and sometimes federal departments. Free market? No. No, it's not. Uh, what about the the billions and billions of dollars that go towards subsidies for farmers and... Uh, uh, let me just back up every industry. Practically every major company takes in huge, huge government contracts, free market as you rob me at gunpoint. And then you, you take my money and you hand it to some corporation that certainly doesn't need you to take my money by force, but they do it anyways. Is that free market or is that sound a hell of a lot more like socialism to you? And this is the reason I wanted to break this down is that it bothers me tremendously that you have people, otherwise brilliant people, and I consider both Glenn Greenwald and Tucker Carlson to be pretty goddamn brilliant, certainly courageous, and they are fucking stupid as shit when it comes to this topic. Completely wrong. And there's no, there, no one contends with them because there's so much respect for these two. You need to fucking fire back at these guys. I, I, hope, I hope that someone has the cojones to actually challenge them on this. You cannot run around saying that our, our civilization is declining because of capitalism when it's fucking not. It is absolutely not. And I'm just sick of people arguing that, particularly given that we are already under the biggest government ever. And the only prescription you can give if you say that capitalism is the problem is to grow the, the size of the state. And in what fucking world does that make you a conservative? That we have to take more power away from the free market, which is already on life support, and hand more power, more dictatorial power to the President of the United States so that he can alleviate income inequality and all this other shit. Or he can make buildings beautiful. What do you prescribe, Tucker? Do you prescribe that, that the federal government dictate the architecture that we build? That they ban dollar stores from the, the poorest communities in this country? Do you know how fucking unbelievably counterproductive both of those things would be terrible absolutely terrible analysis by him and i guess I, I took this personally because just days prior he had been on with dave smith and i know had he could had he brought this contention to dave dave would have fucking shot holes straight through it and i hope someone does 
mainly because he has such a meaningful voice, because he has such influence on our dialogue right now. And I, I will be damned to see him run around saying that we need to get away from free market capitalism. It's the same exact argument made in, when it comes to us having to compete with China, that, that we have to become more like China in order to survive. The answer is the exact opposite. We need to run away from the China model. And speaking of, I just had Mike Benz in studio for the show I do with Luke. By the way, finally got an RSS feed. If you guys want to check it out, it was a phenomenal conversation. Seriously great. Mike Benz, former State Department, all sorts of shit. Fucking brilliant guy. But what Mike was talking about, or what I was asking Mike about, was, hey man, with this Anthony Fauci guy, you know? NIH, NIAID, DHS or excuse me, not DHS, HHS, through EcoHealth Alliance into Wuhan. That's where COVID comes from, right? Okay, now who released it? And if we're if we're in bed with China, and if, if it was our funding of that project, but China released it and it was against our will, why the fuck aren't we at war with them? Or at least why are we not sanctioning them and, and dragging them through, you know, beating the war drums against them? Well, we're not because, in my estimation, it was a joint op. This was a CCP-CIA joint op against the world. And I think, this is my contention, I can't prove this, I believe that the Chinese government, as well as the United States government, are working in tandem to roll out a CCP-styled surveillance state model. And in fact, they are not really adversarial, at least not to the extent that they describe. Because if it were the case, if it were the case that that it was strictly a CIA, it was just Fauci that was funding this thing in China, right? And it's an accidental release, say that. Well, sure as fuck, there would be some sort of finger, some real serious finger pointing when you're talking about millions of people dying all over the world. But instead, you get here and there, you'll get a little finger pointing and go, eh, what about China and this Wuhan virus? And then China will say, well, what about Fauci and his funding of this fucking research? CIA, you know, maybe, I don't know. But there's not real finger pointing. And you know they know. The U.S. government and China absolutely know who did it. And the fact that neither are saying definitively who did it tells me everything I need to know. Food for thought. I ran it past Mike Benz. He, uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't sign off entirely. But he definitely wasn't shooting me down either. And I think that I think people need to really kind of reframe their outlook on this stuff. Like, is it true that we are really arch enemies with this nation? Because we're not really acting like it. We might throw a tariff here or there. We might beat the war drums over Taiwan. But are they actually going to come to blows? Are they actually that antagonistic with one another? They still meet and everything. I don't know. Time will tell, obviously. It's going to be interesting. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by our favorite guys out there. The best ammo in the lands, Phoenix Ammunition. The premier supplier of the militia industrial complex with 100% of their sales going directly to American citizens. No military contracts, no law enforcement deals. Simply the highest quality American-made ammunition served directly to the people. The Second Amendment was motherfucking written for. Yeah, that's right. 
Head to phoenixammo.com, subscribe to their propaganda newsletter, and follow them on Twitter at Phoenix Ammunition for the latest in product updates, high-quality trolling, small libertarian commentary, and world-class meme warfare. Save up to 25% off all day, every day, with their automatic volume-based discounts. Come for the ammo, stay for the memes, phoenixammo.com. And a quick note, I read recently that there is a major shortage in gunpowder. I don't know how true this is. I saw it on Twitter. Take it with a grain of salt. But... If that's true, and if Donald Trump is removed from the ballot, I would imagine that the cost of ammo will increase quite a bit in the upcoming 12 months. So, you know, Christmas is just around the corner. PhoenixAmmo.com, something to consider. Now for the main event. As most of you have probably heard yesterday, Donald Trump has been at least theoretically removed from the ballot in the state of Colorado which obviously has enough delegates that it would be a, a major issue. I think that it's, as of late, Colorado has been a pretty solidly blue state, but it certainly had been purple historically and red uh, not too many decades ago. So this is this is uh, carries with it some major potential consequences down the road. But the reason that this is more important, and, and to clarify a few details about this so people don't totally panic, even the Supreme Court of Colorado, which came down with this ruling, said that they were staying their order, I guess because they knew it's fucking insane, until the Supreme Court can hear it. So it may not mean that he's actually removed from the ballot. But the reason that this is so concerning is that you have New Mexico, you have Arizona, you have Maine, you have, I think, Michigan, New York, and California. Some of those are hard blue states. Some of those are swing states all floating this same framework that because he participated this is the key here he participated in an insurrection and therefore under the 14th amendment he is not he's not permitted to run for president i think it is quite clearly an unconstitutional maneuver but setting that aside seeing as i'm ultimately an anarcho-capitalist and i don't really give a fuck about the legal aspects of this but rather what it means in reality and what it means in reality is that you have i don't know 80 million people in america that would prefer donald trump over whatever poo poo platter the democrats put out there in 2024 they will have been robbed of their option their only choice because the vast majority of those people probably 50 million of them will would not vote for anyone other than Donald Trump in this upcoming election, primarily because they believe that he was robbed of it in 2020, just three years ago. And they believe that he is owed this. And if you are of that 40, 50 million people demographic, you take this as yet further confirmation that the election of 2020 was in fact stolen. And I can't blame you for feeling that way. I'm still yet to see any hard evidence to prove that it was stolen in terms of vote counting. I think that there's obviously shenanigans and I just can't, I haven't seen enough evidence to know definitively that it was stolen at the, during the counting process. But as I've said many times, I strongly believe that the election was stolen from him, but it was done so in the lead up to the election not so much on the day of the election. And now, given what they're willing to do with these types of rulings, 
I can completely understand why many of his supporters, including people that aren't even his supporters, myself to some extent, feel as if they are now functioning in a, a uniparty rule. And I don't just mean uniparty as in the GOP and the Democrats, there's no difference. I mean, like, you don't have any fucking options anymore. And what does that mean? Well, the whole, the whole like, concept of democracy is that it's a pressure release valve. That when you feel as if you are aggrieved in some fashion, you then have a peaceful option to have your grievances redressed. That's the entire idea, right? That you give this guy a shot, he gets in there, he fucks up everything. Okay, you don't have to pick up a fucking revolver or anything or a rifle. You can just go on, I don't know, Tuesday or whenever the election is and, and cast a vote. And if enough of you hate the current guy doing the job, you'll get some new guy. Well, what if that option is removed entirely? What if you're a Ukrainian living under Vladimir Zelensky with the election being completely canceled as they are currently planning on for early next year? Well, that's, it's, it's not quite that extreme because you'll still have, you know, your choice of neoconservatives like Nikki Haley or to a lesser extent, Ron DeSantis. That's not really tenable if that's not what you're looking for. Now, is it? particularly given that Trump is dominating every single poll, including over Joe Biden by four to five to six points. Some, some say 10 points. And this is a guy who has historically way outperformed whatever the polls say. So if he's up four or five points right now, in reality, he may be up double digits, maybe 15% even. Huge, huge lead given that this man is facing 700 fucking years in prison and you still have his supporters going, that's my guy. Don't really care. That's my guy. I am really concerned about what this means for this country. And, and for the record, I have been saying it for most of this year that I think I thought that this was likely to happen. I guess I still held out hope that the people that are, are responsible for these types of decisions would realize how fucking crazy it is that you are, and, and to clarify a few things, not a huge fan of democracy. I'm not. I think that it's ultimately the tyr tyranny of the majority over the minority. And oftentimes, because most of us don't even vote, it's not even the tyranny of the majority, but rather a plurality that gets to dictate, you know, what the government is going to force you to do. And I think that's bullshit. But setting my preferences aside and just describing how the system is supposed to work and the fact that for 200 plus years, that's, this is what we've been doing. And now you just kind of say, well, never mind. Psych. You thought you had a peaceful option. You don't. Oh, and by the way, we've crafted uh, tremendous domestic spying bills. Just re-upped it last week, which by the way, no one's talking about anymore. FISA 702, which is just another expansion on the domestic surveillance apparatus in this country. Oh, might I add that also day one of Joe Biden's presidency, they instructed the FBI to reorient their focus from foreign terrorism to domestic extremism and terroristic threats. So you have already geared up your intelligence agencies domestically to come after the American people for being allegedly radicalized and terroristic 
And then you go and you strip them of their peaceful option to try and course correct that decision. What the fuck do you think people are going to do in light of that? I think the answer is fairly straightforward. You're going to have a real risk of domestic terrorism. If I don't, I don't even like to say it, honestly. It, it bothers me a lot to think that that's a real potential. But I'd be lying if I said otherwise. If there are tens and tens of millions of people that believe that Donald Trump ought to be the president today, and you managed to succeed in removing him from the ballot, what the fuck do you think they're going to do come November? Do you think they're just going to, well, our guy's gone. I guess we vote for Nikki Haley and World War III. Or do you think that January 6th looks like a fucking tea party in comparison? Because I think it's the latter. And I take no joy in saying it. But you're pushing people to their breaking points. It's quite clear that that's not, that's not a byproduct of your Trump derangement syndrome, but rather the intention of these decisions that you are trying to radicalize the American people, that you're trying to create domestic terrorism, or at least the specter of it. Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case, J six, all these other examples that are totally fucking trumped up and absurd, but you are trying your damnedest to radicalize the American people, to get someone to commit serious violence so that you can then use your domestic spying and domestic police force apparatus to come down on us like a sledgehammer. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not exactly what this looks like. But that's not exactly how this plays out. On the inverse... Assuming the Supreme Court does the right thing and they say, this is absurd, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply, he didn't actually have an insurrection. Oh, and let me add real quick. Of course he didn't fucking insurrect. What, how, how did he? He gave a speech and said, fight like hell, said, be peaceful, I love you, go home. That's an insurrection. You try to take over the government like some sort of fucking violent coup. A guy that wasn't even there, that his protesters weren't armed, that no one was killed except for the protesters themselves, and you're going to argue that it was an insurrection. Oh, might I add, you impeached him for a second time, and you couldn't even convict him in, in Congress. Not even a court of law, but Congress, a very politicized system. Couldn't convict him there. Has there been charges brought where he's been convicted demonstrating that he participated in an insurrection? No, there has not. Has not been convicted to the best of my knowledge, has not been charged with insurrection. On top of that, neither have his supporters, neither have the J6 people. No one has been convicted of insurrection, as far as I know. So, what the fuck is this? Okay, so assume the Supreme Court does the right thing. Here's, here's the, the play on the flip side, assuming that Donald Trump is put on the ballot. Well, you've already ceded the ground for... The Democrat voters, which also total in the 70 to 80 million, who already believe, most of them in a completely deluded fashion, that Donald Trump was granted the presidency because of his relationship to the Kremlin in 2016, which is just a fucking whole cloth, whole cloth lie. But a lot of them believe that. They believe he's totally illegitimate. They believe he's a racist. and All that shit, right? Well, what... 
what happens if they go the state of the state of Colorado said that he insurrected and he's not allowed to be on the ballot the supreme court which has been you know manipulated because of Donald Trump because they they actually read and listen and consider the constitution god forbid well the the answer is not that uh, it's not that well pack it in Donald Trump won no the answer is going to be we have to pack the supreme court oh and might i add Donald Trump is an illegitimate president and in that scenario, well, then the left is then permitted to riot again. Summer of Love 2020, anybody? I think that either way this goes, the, the way I read it is that they are, they are consistently trying to divide and conquer in increasingly harsh and brutal ways. That they are trying to make it so that the Democrat and Republican voters in this country view each other as existential threats to one another. And that is what disturbs me most about the trajectory of things is that I don't perceive, even though I think that the average Democrat voter is dangerously ignorant, I don't perceive them to be evil or my enemy. And I certainly don't want to meet them on a battlefield. That is not, that is not what I want, but all of these operations, Every single thing they've done since 2020 tells me that there is an op being ran to, to drive us in that trajectory rapidly. From the lockdowns to the masking, to the vaccine mandates, to J6, to the summer of love, to George Floyd, to removing Donald Trump from the ballot, or to, to the Supreme Court overturning that and then forcing Donald Trump back onto the ballot, which is how the, how it'll be framed to the Democrats. And then, oh, you, now you have to, you have to try and suffer under another term of Donald Trump. A lot of the Democrats can't handle that. Like they cannot handle it. Really, really crazy people over there. Some of them. I don't know, man. It gives me tremendous cause for concern that I think, I think as I talked to Mike Benz on the show tonight, Oh, I, what I wanted to say was uh, thebestpoliticalshow.com. We finally got our show up on RSS, so go subscribe to it. Check it out, especially the most recent episode. It should be up uh, by tomorrow morning. Yo, fucking fire. Such a good episode. But what we talked a lot about was the, the color revolutions and how the State Department through the National Endowment for Democracy and all these other, you know, NGO organizations have been responsible for uh, promoting and ultimately directing to a certain extent revolutions throughout the rest of the world. And I genuinely believe, and I can only say this because I'm suspended on YouTube for a couple more days. And as soon as I'm back over there, I'll stop saying it. But I genuinely believe that we are living through a color revolution, that the CIA in tandem potentially with the CCP are working feverishly to get you and I at the throats of our neighbors so that they can implement whatever totalitarian plans they have. Central bank digital currency, full surveillance, full biometric data hacking, all this shit, right? I really think that's that's the that's the play. That's the play. And I, and to a certain extent I think that Donald Trump is just a tool being used in that process. He is uh, almost certainly an unwitting par unwitting participant. But that's my honest opinion as to what we're up against. And, and it's going to get wild.
Let's get into some of the candidates and, and how they react to this news. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by NadeauShaveCo.com. N-A-D-E-A-U ShaveCo.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN. Get yourself 15% off the best stainless steel single blaze blade razor in the game. It is badass. Enjoy your shave. It's veteran-owned, family-operated, legit, high-quality, high, high, high-quality razor. Doesn't break the bank. Super affordable. If your dad is out there, you haven't got him a Christmas gift yet, well, guess what? You got your answer. N-A-D-E-A-U shaveco.com promo code lockdown. First up, we got a tweet from the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Of course, he didn't write it, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, just a couple hours ago, he says, Trump poses many threats to our country, the right to choose, civil rights, voting rights, and America's standing in the world. But the greatest threat he poses is to our democracy. If we lose that, we lose everything. I think you know why I wanted to, to read that one to you. It is, it is one of the most gaslighting tweets I've ever read in my life. The greatest threat that he poses is to our democracy. He says this in the aftermath, within 24 hours of him being removed from the ballot. The Democrat, the, the democracy process in action, right? Like that's the fucking number one thing about democracy is you get to vote. And you get to vote for whoever the fuck you want as long as they're over 35 years old. That's basically the entire criteria. Trump meets that by about double. Uh, yeah. So who's the threat to democracy? This constant motherfucking projection from the woke left drives me out of my mind. How the fuck you call him a threat to democracy as just yesterday, Joe Biden was asked about Donald Trump and the decision. And he said, there is no argument. I'd play you the audio, but it's so shitty because he just got off a plane. He says, there is no argument in, in any definition. Donald Trump isn't an insurrectionist. How though? Did Donald Trump not leave the White House? Did I miss it? Because everything he attempted to do appeared to be by the letter of the law in the sense that he wanted to challenge the legitimacy of the election. And when that didn't happen, he packed up his shit and he left. So what is the threat to democracy? The motherfucker's been out of power for three years. You have him being prosecuted in how many states? Does this sound like a functioning democracy? Does it sound as if it's a threat to democracy from Donald Trump? Or does it sound as if we actually are fun functioning in a brutal single party power state that is doing everything in its power and throwing every norm out the window to hunt Donald Trump, to fucking break him and his supporters over the knee of the intelligence agencies in this country. Because that's what I see. I don't see Donald Trump as a threat to democracy. I see his existence and your reaction to him as the biggest threat to, to democracy in my lifetime. And for the record, don't much care. Not a big fan of democracy. But if you're going to reference it as if it's a good thing, then get it right. There is one threat to democracy in this country, and it is the Democrats, and it has been for fucking years. You spied on, you had the FBI fucking file false affidavits 
to spy on Donald Trump as a candidate before he was even president. You created a fake dossier with a bunch of bullshit stories in it to try and sink him. You used MI6 intelligence as well as the CIA and the FBI to go after Donald Trump every chance you got. And then you impeached him for it. You impeached him for what you were doing repeatedly. And then you made millions of dollars off of shady business deals with China and Ukraine. And then you accused him of the same. And then you fucked with the election big time by burying the Hunter Biden story, certainly interfering with our elections, is it not? So you do that. And then you turn around and you say, that guy's the threat to democracy. Man, the fucking cojones to try and reframe everything that we've experienced, everything we know, and say, that dude's the threat. It's an absurdity. Ron DeSantis has already come out today and said he is not going to withdraw from Colorado to stand with Donald Trump and to stand against the corruption. Nikki Haley, to the best of my knowledge, won't be. Chris Christie, anybody else that's still a player in this, won't be. But... One guy did stand on the right side of history, in my opinion. Certainly, he did it for his own political benefits down the road. But nonetheless, he made the right call, as is normally the case. Within about an hour of the decision from Colorado, he released this video. And that is Vivek Ramaswamy. They have just tried to bar President Trump from the Colorado ballot using an unconstitutional maneuver that is a bastardization of the 14th Amendment to our U.S. Constitution. This was a provision, Section 3, that was designed to bar Confederate members, people who switched to the Confederacy, from actually being able to serve. That's very different than what's at issue here, to say the least. This is a hollowed out husk of what the country was built on. The basic principle that we the people select our leadership, not the unelected elite class in the back of palace halls. That's old world Europe, not the United States. That's why I'm making a pledge today that I will withdraw, I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Tr Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing, or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. I refuse to be complicit in that. I think what they're doing is wrong. And I think it's up to Republicans to step up and stand up with a spine for our country's future. That's really what's at stake. Whether we, the people, actually have a say in deciding who leads this country. Yes, it would be easier for other Republicans like me who are running in this race to say, hey, if Trump is sidelined, there's our opportunity. No doubt other candidates are probably privately celebrating with their corporate sponsors. That's not the right thing to do. I think the most useful thing that every GOP candidate can do right now is to join me in that pledge. I'll say that I will withdraw from that Colorado GOP primary ballot until Trump's name is restored. This belongs to the people, not to the unelected Democratic cabal of judges in Colorado or any other state. I know he's I know he's positioning himself to be Trump's replacement down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I know I know the reasons that it benefits him. I get all that. Doesn't change the fact that what he's saying is the right thing to say. And you know what's weird about it? For DeSantis and Nikki Haley and everybody else, well, if you're if you're trying to position yourself so that you can be the the president 
assuming that Donald Trump is ultimately removed from the ballot, you ought to be maneuvering the same way. Because you're still going to need to win the general. And you're not going to win the general if they think that you ultimately were a participant in the removal of Donald Trump. So just political buffoonery on behalf of, of all of the other candidates in this race. Not surprising. And it's certainly not surprising that Vivek once again got it right. But my goodness, is this guy going to be a superstar amongst the MAGA base, uh, especially if Donald Trump is the president from 24 through 28? Well, who's the heir apparent? It's hard. It's hard for me to even say these words, but an Indian American could be the heir apparent to the MAGA movement. What an unbelievable maneuver on behalf of Vivek Ramaswamy to pull that off if he can. And it looks like he is the front runner to do that. The, the most activated populist movement in this country, certainly in my lifetime, has been the MAGA movement. And it looks like he is, he is positioning himself to catch that wind in his sails in the not too distant future. Very savvy. Trump didn't have much to say about it, but this is what he did say. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. I mean, tell me he's wrong. Is that... Is that not a more legitimate claim than the one that Joe Biden tweeted out earlier this evening? I mean, it's so it's so obviously correct that they are using the judicial process to try and remove him as a candidate. And what I see in this is very similar to what we've seen in Brazil. For those that aren't familiar, you got Lula, who was in prison, and then he gets out, and then Bolsonaro comes in, and then he gets prosecuted and removed, and then Lula gets released from prison, and then he's back into the White House, or whatever they call it there, the Blanca Casa, I don't know what they call it, um, but they also had their own J6, if you can believe it, like the game plan is almost identical, it's almost identical, and I really feel like it's, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's like playing fucking charades on the top of the Titanic. It's like, it's just a show. Like they, I honestly don't believe that the president has a lot of power. And to prove that case, just look at Trump's demands that we remove our troops from Syria. And they just lied to him. Said they're out. They're out, sir. They're out, Mr. President. And they weren't. And then they laughed about it. You have a bunch of, a bunch of people underneath Donald Trump that are conversing openly with a bunch of foreign governments including China in the late innings of his presidency saying whatever Donald Trump orders when it comes to military strikes against China, we're not going to carry it out. And it's like, are they charged with treason? Cause I would argue that was pretty dictionary definition version of it. So from my, from where I sit, I don't see much power in the presidency. And if that's the case, well, then everything that's transpiring with this presidential election ultimately boils down to the reaction from the populace. That, like, what will we do? 
whoever whoever they ultimately deem will be the next president. I think if if they see Trump as being the pressure release valve that they can still manipulate and undermine and also quiet the populist rebellion, then they'll do that. And if if they think that he's too much of a danger, that he he will ultimately be too much of a, a bull in the china shop type of deal, then he's not. Then he's removed from the ballots or the election is manipulated to the extent that he can't possibly win. But I genuinely believe at this at this late stage of our empire and not a libertarian economic empire <laughs> that it's kind of a script that it's kind of whatever they want to see happen will happen. And whatever whatever our preferences may be, it doesn't much matter. Sure, maybe we delayed a f starting a few wars under Donald Trump. And maybe that's the extent of power that the United States president has. And that's nice. I'm not going to diminish it. Maybe that's, maybe that's what he's capable of. But in terms of ending wars, bringing troops home, yeah, they, they basically proved an American president doesn't have much say on that. And that's stunning. Maybe not to all of you. Maybe all of you are going, I knew that forever. I didn't. I thought that it was actually possible. And now I'm thinking, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not so much. And just to prove to you that this has been the plan all along, here was Joe Biden less than a year ago talking about how they might prevent Donald Trump from getting back in the White House. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly how you know that this has been a plan for quite some time. And one of the rare perk benefits of having a president of the United States that is suffering severe dementia and is ultimately just a moron, imbecile, piece of shit, fucking, probably a pedophile, I don't know, uh, that occasionally he tells the truth, even when he's not supposed to. And I think that was a good example of it. That in fact, this has been the plan. That we just need to prove that Donald Trump is never going to take power again through the legal justification of our judicial system, blah, 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 man. I know he always ends every quote with that. Uh, but just to, to recap for you guys, Trump has now been indicted for defrauding himself in New York by overstating the value of his real estate assets, violating the Espionage Act, violating the Civil Rights Act of 1866, and running a RICO-organized crime syndicate. I think that was in Georgia. Uh, and he has now been purged from the ballots without due process, almost like his opponents are a bit desperate. Shout out to Michael Tracy for that one. That was the summation that he put out yesterday. And I was like, wow, yeah, pretty fucking wild. And the California lieutenant governor today, Eleni Kunalakis, called on the California Secretary of State to, ex quote, explore every legal option to remove former President Donald Trump from California's 2024 presidential primary ballot. Now, it's not that big of a deal in California because odds are the, uh, you know, Californians are never going to vote <laughs> GOP, at least I doubt it. So that's not so much of a big deal. But the fact that, that you have this one precedent being attempted in Colorado and now they are going, uh, you know, floating all of these other states to attempt the same maneuvers should give you serious cause for uh, concern. My expectation is that 
the first one, the Colorado one, because it came down so early, will be overturned by the Supreme Court. My concern is that these other states are going to finalize their rulings within 30 to 60 days of the election, in which case the Supreme Court may not be able to hear it. They'll probably formulate it in a way that's slightly different from that of the Colorado case so that they can try and force the Supreme Court not to just immediately apply the same ruling to these other cases. There's a lot, there's a lot of fucking lawfare that goes into this. And I just think that they're going to keep, they're going to keep throwing shit at the wall until they get something to stick. They have tried everything with Trump. The fucking documents case at Mar-a-Lago, the real estate case in New York, the Georgia case, and now Colorado, California, another New York case, another New Mexico and Arizona and all these other ones are all fucking moving in that direction. And all of these shit prosecutors and judges are just trying to make a name for themselves. But also, if you play ball for the regime, we've seen this time and time again, no matter how fucking dirty and underhanded it is, if you are doing it on the behalf of the regime, the current establishment powers, well, then you will skyrocket under the purview of that next White House. And I think that's exactly what these people are doing is that they're trying to angle themselves to be appointed, you know, judges to higher courts and all, all sorts of shit. It's fucking sick, man. These people really don't give a shit about the future of this country. And it drives me insane. And since I started this episode out by dragging Tucker Carlson, which I rarely do, I'll end it by giving him some praise on this commentary yesterday. So if you want to know, what things are going to look like in the future, just chart out what has been happening recently and ask yourself, are things accelerating or decelerating? Are they moving up, down, right, left? I mean, just chart it out. And in the case of Trump, they started with protests, they moved to impeachment. Now they're at indictment. None of it has worked. What's next? What is, what could possibly be next? If you felt, and you really believed that, a lot of them do, that the worst thing that could happen to the country, and more specifically to you, in the professional class is to have Donald Trump as president and everything you have tried has failed and they have been accelerating steps, protests, impeachment, indictment. Like how many more arrows do you have in your quiver? And what's the next one? And of course it's assassination and assassination happens around the world. I had dinner with former president of Haiti in my house last night. His successor was murdered in his bed in the presidential palace in Port-au-Prince. And he's hardly alone. People get assassinated. I mean, I, they've been assassinated in this country far more Just often in than Japan. we're willing to admit. It we're happened in Japan. That's exactly right. So it's not it's not crazy. And of course, it's the last thing I want. I said it directly to Trump, by the way, because it's so obvious. How could you not say that? So I did. And he did not engage with me at all on that subject. And I don't know what he actually thinks of it, but he's smart. And so he must know that that's true. But why? So again, it's just another example of what you said a minute ago wisely. If you want to know what's true, Look at the things you're not allowed to say. You're not allowed to say them not because they're conspiracy theories or lies. Right. You're not allowed to say them precisely because they are not conspiracy theories or lies. If they want to, if they really do want to see a civil war in this country, that surefire way. I don't think that there's, aside from removing him from the ballot, assuming the Supreme Court overturns it and he actually wins and he gets back in the White House and he actually does what Vivek Ramaswamy has campaigned on, which is gutting the three-letter agencies and everything else and ending the wars and preventing wars if he does all that well then yeah it's, i mean you'd have to be fucking out of your mind not to think that's on the table and if that happens 
what do you think his supporters are going to do? I mean, by and large, America is filled with peaceful, almost too peaceful people, people that that are willing because their standard of living is still fairly high, especially compared to the rest of the world, they are willing to put up with almost anything. They're willing to be locked in their homes, essentially, for fucking months on end over a pandemic that was created by the very government that directed them to stay home. That's how peaceful we are. Super motherfucking peaceful. Basically sheep level peaceful. But there are certain things and there are certain people in this country that will not accept that. They will not go quietly into that good night of feeling as if they have no Democrat democratic pathway to redress their grievances. And if you convince them, if you convince them that there is no pathway that is peaceful, they will not enter the gulags quietly. That's my honest opinion. The vast majority, of course. A very small minority, the small minority that you continue to talk about being this huge threat to domestic terrorism and all that, they exist. The good old boy military veteran types that, that bite their tongue and they just cast their vote for Donald Trump time and time again, thinking that that's going to be enough to, to alleviate all that ails. If you remove him from the ballot, these people are going to be radicalized irreparably. And my deepest, darkest fear is that is that that is exactly what you want. And if you can't get them off the ballot through legal means, then you'll take extrajudicial means to prevent him from entering the White House again. I do not think that that Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States. I do not. How that plays out is anybody's guess. And if I'm wrong, then I will eat crow. You guys know one thing about me for sure. When I get something wrong, I admit it. I own it. I will not run from it. I will not reframe it or try and justify. I'm. This is my analysis based off of what we see today. I do not see Donald Trump ever being permitted, per, permitted back into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I just don't see it. We'll see. Before we get out of here, I got to drag Nikki Haley one time. This bitch is so out of her mind. Remember when I told you Putin hit rock bottom? Hamas invaded Israel and did all that brutality on October 7th. October 7th is Putin's birthday. Who's the happiest person in the world right now? Putin. Why? Because the U.S. and the West took all their eyes off of Ukraine and what we do started looking at Israel. Did Putin call Netanyahu? Nope, not for 10 days. You know who he did call? Hamas. They came the next day and they held hands and said they were friends. We now know the Russian intelligence is what helped Hamas know how to get through that barrier. See the connection. Total, total schizophrenic rant. Like, I think this bitch is actually crazy. Or... She's just so owned by the military industrial complex. It's a difference without a distinction, which is probably the latter. Maybe she's not in totally insane. But if you, if you honestly think that Hamas, this radical liberation military organization in Palestine, launched their sneak attack against their arch nemesis in Israel on Putin's birthday as, as some sort of symbol of their allegiance to Russia,
No. It's fu- I mean, it's so fucking crazy. It's almost not even worth talking about. But she's polling double digits. She's actually polling really, really well right now. And I can't fucking wrap my mind around the fact that there are millions of people that hear this bitch talk and they go, that's my gal. That's the one that's going to save this country. When in truth, all she is is a direct conduit to the State Department apparatus, the military-industrial complex, and all of the worst corporations and most blood-soaked motherfuckers that have ever walked this planet. That is what Nikki Haley is. A fucking blood-soaked, wealthy, criminal, war criminal, piece of shit. And they go, oh, she's so, she's so good. She's so boss bitch. Come on. Bitch gets out of the UN. As, as Vivek always says, she had, a, she had a cup of coffee at the UN, comes out and makes millions on the board of, I think it was Boeing. Maybe it was one of the others, but it doesn't make a difference. It's, she's such a fucking scumbag. I can't believe that there's still fucking millions of people that go, who are you going to vote for? Oh, Nimrata. That's, that's, that's the one for me. You know what? The, the problem with the Joe Biden administration, the, the problem with the Trump administration, uh, Trump administration was that they weren't enough like the George W. Bush war on terror fucking eight years. We need, we need a repeat of that. Let's, let's run that back. Let's have more military adventurism as our economy is melting down as a consequence of our military adventurism. Let's have more of that. You people are fucking out of your minds. You're sick. You're sick, people. Seriously. If you still buy these narratives that are being sold to you when it comes to the the next war, the new thing, you're a fucking idiot of the highest order. You're almost too dumb to even be listening to me right now. And that's why I can say this without risking losing my audience because I know anybody listening to me right now is not dumb enough to think that Nikki Haley is a viable option moving forward. She is she is symbolic, as Tucker said earlier, of the disease. And the disease is the military industrial complex, the central bankers, the fascistic uh, crony corporations, the swamp, the intelligence agencies, the State Department, and the UN. Oh, she checks all the boxes. She is totally emblematic of the complete and utter decimation of our civilization. And on top of that, a good swath of the world. Because her types of, types of policies amount to the death of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of innocents. She's a piece of fucking garbage. Could I, could I put it any more succinctly? I fucking despise Nikki Haley with every fiber of my being. She is, she is so reprehensible. I honestly view her as a downgrade from Joe motherfucking Biden. I, I, I can't overstate it any more than I already have. She is so bad. Joe Biden, who risked World War III with Russia, is actually less of an existential threat to me and my loved ones. That's how fucking bad she is. You know I can't leave you on such a dour note, so I'm going to give you some humor. This is Seamus O'Coughlin, or whatever his name is, uh, House member in Canada, talking about their new bills that they're passing. It's just so funny. This is a sizable um, tome. Uh, it is a substantive and incredibly well-written tome. I have read it front to back. Um, we are not wasting much time on a couple of things. One, 
and it's pretty historical. Um, we are naming black people and LGBT2S, LGBTQI plus individuals as designated groups under the Employment Equity Act. This is historical uh, and one that I um, take very personally and am delighted to see it. Diversity is a fact. Inclusion is a choice. Equity is the law. That is such a creepy line. I'm going to run it back because it's, it's so Orwellian. Diversity is a fact. Inclusion is a choice. Equity is the law. And that, that long pause at the end where he's just like, I'm going to really let this sink in. Equity is the law. Canada, you're toast. You're done. There's no coming back. Outside of a full revolution, I think Canada is absolutely fucking toast. Gone. So, silver lining for Americans. We're not as fucked as Canada. Woo! Ticker tape parade. <laughs> we win. Uh, look, the bar is very fucking low. But I feel like Canada is trying to set it so low that we feel like we're doing all right. And today, that clip made me feel like, yeah, we're doing all right. Equity is the law. Diversity is a given or whatever the fuck he said. Uh, inclusion is, is a choice. And equity is the law. It's so dangerous. I mean, this is so counter to a meritocratic system that equity should ever be uttered by any politician that actually alleges to be representing a quasi even capitalist civilization and to say that equity is the law. If equity is the law, you are living under a communist regime. They may not be full totalitarian yet. They may not have totally acquired all of the means of production and put it under the state apparatus. But I assure you, that is the pathway that you are on, and it is a rapid one at that. In Russia last year, 400 people were arrested for things that they said on social media. 400 people in Russia. Obviously, this country is very different. How many people do you think were arrested in Britain for things they said on social media last year? Go on. Take a guess. I have no idea. 3,300. Really? Arrested for what they said on social media? Yeah. Really? What sort of things get you well, arrested? Well, one example I give in my show is uh, there was a young woman from Liverpool uh, called Chelsea Russell. Her friend was killed in a car crash, 19-year-old woman. And she posted the lyrics of his favorite song on her Instagram. The lyrics. And it was a rap song, so the lyrics contained several instances of the N-word. Okay? She was arrested, prosecuted, found guilty, given 500 hours of community service and a fine, tagged, and for a year, she was under 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. curfew. My goodness. In Britain. In Britain. In 2018. I know this is kind of like a race to the bottom all the way across the board here, but look to Canada, look to Britain, realize that it's our not-too-distant future, and fight with every fiber of your being not to become them. I, I can't put it more succinctly than that. It is genuinely existential. This is why I have levied praise upon Elon Musk and his acquisition of Twitter, now X, quite to the consternation of much of my audience who does not trust Elon, and for the record, neither do I. 
But the reason I've le levied so much praise is because it is that important. Having platforms that allow for broad, open discussions, which X still isn't perfect, but it's dramatically improved versus the FBI modified terms of service version of it that existed in 2020. It is so, so, so important. And, and this is why I give such a hard time to DeSantis, who goes to Israel to, to write hate speech laws against Floridians, where I fucking live. It is sick. And it's not about whatever protected class you're trying to protect, whether it be Jewish people or black people or gay people or trans people or whatever. It's not that I want to hate any of those groups. That's not the point, just to make it crystal clear. The point is that if you have speech that is impermissible, that isn't constituting a threat of violence, like immediate and urgent threat, well, then you have now opened up Pandora's box in a way that you may never be able to put it back. And a great example of this is exactly what Constantine Kissin just, just referenced there, where you have people that are literally quoting rap lyrics that put on, on their Facebook or whatever, and they then have to do 500 hours of community service and are registered and have curfew and all sorts of insanity. I mean, you don't live in a free country, fucking period. If you aren't able to post something, especially lyrics to a song, and you end up being arrested, charged, convicted, fined, and forced into manual labor, and you think you live in a free country? Look, maybe they don't put you in a fucking into a gulag to break rocks for the next 50 years, but it's it's not free though. I hope we can all agree on that. It's not communist Russia. But it ain't 1890s America either. Not even close. So yeah, very, very concerning. And just one good piece of news to close us out is that the state of Tennessee is now suing BlackRock in a first-of-its-kind lawsuit alleging that they violated consumer protection laws by, wait for it, drumroll please, brrrr, misleading investors about their money being used to fund ESG. Let's fucking go. And I think that the lawsuits that will follow on after this ought to be targeting them for violating their fiduciary duty. And if that happens, then the entire ESG cabal will, in my humble opinion, run for the fucking hills. They will have to, I mean, obviously they've already rebranded it. They're already trying to shift it and do other shit. And ultimately the ideology is the issue. So this, this is all surface level remedies, but it'll slow them the fuck down. And we need that desperately. So state of Tennessee, cheers to you. And it is very rare that I would ever endorse a state suing a private corporation but in this instance, because the, the private corporation, scare quotes, is so deeply embedded in the federal government, I don't perceive them to be a private entity at all. And as far as I'm concerned, they can be broken over the knee of the state because they made their fortunes at the behest of the state and to the detriment of the United States taxpayer. Rotten hell, Larry Fink. We'll end it with that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, if you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member. And the easiest way to get a follow from me on X, if you care about that, is to subscribe. 
I will follow you guys back if you subscribe over on X, and uh, I really appreciate it. The support means the world to me. The show that I'm doing with Luke is absolutely fucking crushing it. We had over 5,000 live viewers. We were the number one live stream show on Rumble tonight. Uh, God knows how many will end up watching it, probably close to 200,000 by the time you know tomorrow night rolls around. Uh, it's It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I couldn't be doing this without you guys and the support that you've given me. And I, I see some of you leaving, uh, you know, super chats and shit like that while we're doing the show. And it's just really cool because I, I recognize the names and I'll be like, hey, that's one of mine. That's one of my people. Uh, so the fact that you guys are, are, you know, enjoying this show enough that you've actually followed me as my career has expanded into other arenas and you guys are still uh, giving support. It means the world to me. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, as always, if you want to leave a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else, and the easiest way to help with the show is to share it around, share it with friends, cut up clips, put it on TikTok, do all the shit that this boomer ass me can't handle. All right. Uh, leave a comment, hit the like button, subscribe. I'll catch you guys soon. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?